This episode is brought to you by Patreon, specifically the Comic Pop Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash comic pop and find out more about how you can keep the lights on here at Comic Pop. And don't worry, we've got plenty of fun rewards, including early access to videos and weekly updates about what's happening here at the studio. That's patreon.com slash comic pop. All right, let's get on with the show now. Sweeping down upon the underworld to smash gangland comes the friend of the unfortunate, enemy of criminals. A mysterious, all-powerful character. A problem to the police, but a crusader for law. And not stream. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> the last thing I need is live people. Um, all right. And, uh, yeah. All right, I'll do the... Uh, permit me to do the, uh, you know, the Please. usual crap. Yeah. Hey, everybody, welcome to Elseworlds Exchange. I am Sal, and I am joined today by the lovely and talented Joshua Williamson. Josh, thanks for being here, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Good morning. Oh, my pleasure. Good morning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're uh, we're gonna talk about comics. Uh, I'm I'm excited about this because the last time we chatted, uh, you kind of broke the ice by being like, "Hey, you used to work in comic book store," and I was like, "No," and I didn't because I didn't want to like pretend to be something hey. I wasn't. I I moonlighted by doing like odd jobs at the comic shop for like for for space to shoot the show. Um, yeah. But uh, but no, I did. I mean, like I money exchanged hands. I worked the register. I, you know, I, I had to deal with pull lists and all that stuff. And it was, you know, but uh, but I'd love to talk more about like comics, the industry, where we are right now. I know that you're uh, you're you're trapped in your house, I assume, like me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. Well, actually, I uh, it's weird, right? Because like you already you probably feel this already. Like I never leave already, you right. know. So it's like. Not that unusual. It's more about the, what I've learned is kind of funny. And I've learned this as a, as I've gotten older is that like I'm super cool being at home all the time, like being <laughs> here. Like I have no problem with this. Yeah. But what I've learned as again, like as I've gotten older is that I like an empty house occasionally. Uh-huh. Like, I like the idea that, like, everyone else that lives here is gone. I'm just here by myself, and I can just kind of chill. If I'm working or just cleaning or doing stuff, like cooking, whatever, I like, you know, it's occasionally I need that. That is the thing that's hard to find right now. <laughs> like, it's definitely. I mean, right now, no one's here, thankfully, because we are, um, our uh, house is in the exact same neighborhood as my wife's mom. Oh. And so we're basically all, like, isolated, quarantined together. Um, so they're able to go to grandma's house in the morning. They're all having pancakes at grandma's right now. So That's nice. All right. Yeah. 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 So it's good. And I can do something like this. It's kind of funny. Like, oh, it is interesting where you're expecting to have the house be a certain way because of the isolation. And then I'll walk out the rest of the house and I'm like, and I'm like, hello. <laughs> it's interesting, dude. I was talking about this yesterday and I'm, I'm wondering what you think of this, but it's like, because I never leave my house already. Right. Like I'm always here. Um, this whole experience, everything that's going on with the quarantines, isolation, all of that. Yeah. There's an aspect of it that reminds me of Orson Welles' War of the Worlds. Totally. And you, you know what I mean? Like, it's because it's like a small town, here's this radio thing, and everyone freaks out, yeah. right? It When I look out my window, there's no aliens, uh-huh. right? No one is attacking, nothing is happening. Um, you know, for me, it's like an average day. Like, I look out my window, and I don't see anything. Occasionally, I'll see a neighbor walk down the street. Yeah. That's it. And that's how it usually is. The only way I know about how crazy things are right now is because of the internet. Yeah. That's it. It's like, that's the only one I'm getting the feed. That's the only one I'm getting any information on stuff. And so, it's such a weird thing. I mean, obviously, it's not Orson Welles' War of the World. There's a very serious thing happening. But 
it's just that that thing of like it, it's such a weird experience because you don't see it right now. Yeah. You you don't see it and you're not feeling it. You know, I mean, I um, yeah, you don't. It's such a weird thing. It's such a weird thing. Yeah. Uh, it, it's yeah. Well, especially yeah, you're told by some by a voice out there to stay in your homes because it's gonna yeah. get you, and you're just kind of like, yeah. I guess I'll just take their word for it. I mean, yeah. I, I I well, and the thing is, like like you said, like you live near in-laws, you don't yeah. want them to get sick, so you have to do the isolation. No. Yeah, we're really, really on top of it. We're more on top of it than anyone in our neighborhood, dude. Such There's times I'll look at my window and I'll see people and I'll see them like hanging out and I'm like, mm. yeah, I feel what are like, you doing? <laughs> yeah, like your window, you know, I'm like, mm, look at yeah. my blind, like, what are you doing? I'm literally, I'm thinking, of, I was thinking about this just a few minutes ago, the fact that like, if I were a teenager during this period, I would definitely not be taking this seriously, and I would definitely be like confused and annoyed about what's going on. And today, in today's world, like my folks are are up there in age, and they're like mm. five minutes up the road from me, and I'm like, I can't go help them do anything for them because like the old that's that, that's the only motivation for me to like continue the quarantine and to, to mm-hmm. like isolate is just to protect my family. Yeah, that's how it is here too. I mean, we we. Uh... We started isolating maybe a week and a half ago, maybe yeah. more. Um, I got back from the comic book store. I went on a Saturday um, with my daughter. So I don't know what day that was. It was, yeah, a week and a half ago. And we'd already kind of known a couple things were going on. And we started isolating then. Yeah. Like, we started getting stuff then. Dude, so with C2E2, when I was at C2E2, um, Bendis was not a C2E2. He was here at home. Mm-hmm. He was texting me updates on what was going on in Oregon and Washington yeah. with Iris. And so he was texting me. <laughs> those texts are like, the world is ending. Like, <laughs> not from his perspective, but literally like, look at this news story. Look what's going on at Costco. Right. Like, there's a lie outside of Costco. People are fighting for things. And I was like, what is happening back home? And so yeah. I actually texted my wife then and was like, hey – um, this seems to be happening. Maybe go to the grocery store. <laughs> yeah, Maybe. exactly. Cause like, that, that's gotta feel like really kind of scary that you're, you're stuck in Chicago. You're like, I can't do anything. I gotta send my wife to go take care of it. Cause literally that's how I'd feel. I'd be like, well, I, I gotta leave. I gotta go take care of this. I got a friend over in Seattle as well. And he was like, he sent this big ass Facebook post that was like, East Coast, get ready for it because we're like two weeks ahead of you in terms of like reaction, in terms of like yeah. the, the fervor and the response from the government and the local governments. So like get like batten down the hatches now because it's it's only going to get worse. Yeah, uh, he was yeah. right by the way. Like it completely. Like, we're in Jersey, so like Murphy completely shut down everything. Like we got we got like curfews for for businesses and most other gyms, movie theaters, what's it called, uh, restaurants, bars, everything's closed. Yeah, they were saying, like, somebody, I think James told me yesterday that Amtrak closed. Oh, my God. Uh, I think, I don't want to be quoted on that, I think he said Amtrak closed. So I was like, oh, okay, that's not great, you know? And, yeah, yeah it's really, it's a, such a fascinating time. But, like, for us with um, with work, for me, it's weird, right? Because, like, with writing, this is how it always is. I'm just in my office all day. Exactly. You so know? for you, there's virtually no change except that you have more people in your house than usual. <laughs> yeah, well that's the thing though is that like the offices are closed and so for the first time um you know i i've never experienced this where everyone uh is at home working 
right? So it's like it isn't like DC Comics is like no longer publishing or pu- making books or anything like that. Like everyone is just at home working, yeah. and it's really interesting. So like yesterday we did a, a and actually I kind of prefer some of this. We did a we did a video chat yesterday. So normally when we call into the office. You know, so like yesterday we had a call about death metal and it was me, Scott and James. And we're just like talking about a bunch of things that we're going to do. And with that call, normally it would be like just a regular audio call with the office. And they're on a speakerphone in the office and we're, you know, in our own home is talking to them. Yeah. But yesterday we did FaceTime instead. And it was, you know, all the editors in their homes, us in our homes. And it was actually really fun. That sounds silly, but it was like, it was like us right now. Like we're just talking. Right. And like. Yeah. It was it was really energetic, and I think everybody was in really good moods. And um, everyone I've talked to says they're really productive right now. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's just because of those distractions. You're at home, and you just kind of have to like, you know, you know. Because I mean, I'm sure you've ever worked in an office. Like offices are, it's interesting, right? Like offices are places that we're supposed to work, but there's so many distractions in an office. Yes. Um, and you get pulled into meetings that probably could be a few minutes to turn into an hour you know exactly or they could have been an, e- an email uh email. yeah i mean that that happens too they do that but like this is definitely i mean it's only day three of this for the <laughs> office <laughs> yeah and well and god knows how many more days there'll be months weeks we don't know oh i know dude it's no idea it's no idea i mean we're pretty stocked up this is a, dude it's so crazy let's think about this this morning man like we're we're super stocked up yeah but um and you know we we were, we were already, like I said before, you know, weeks ago, we were kind of like, let's get the essentials, get the things we need. And so we're good. And, and thankfully, our grocery store is still open. And you can go in there and get what you need, except for toilet paper. And right. it's so because, like, we have toilet paper. We're fine. Um, but I don't understand. Like, my wife said that she went to the grocery store yesterday morning. Uh, and it's funny. She wears gloves and she wears a scarf over her face. Like, she's, like, she's protected. She's going <laughs> in, if she sees, like, two people on an aisle, she won't go down the aisle. <laughs> That's fair. Like, it's, no, I'm, I'm, you know what it is? That, that's a mom. Like, she's completely just in mom mode. She's like, just protect him. Protect well, yeah, herself. We have, and her kids. We, have, we, have, we have me, and I get I get sick really easily. And then we have the baby, my daughter, and then grandma. So it's like, she's very much like, I have to be, you know, careful with this stuff. Yeah. She was like, there's a policy at our grocery store that is like, you can only buy um, five items right now. Oh, so you can only buy not five. I'm like five of a item. Oh, okay, all right. Which is fine. You're like, okay, I'm gonna buy five bags of chips, or in right. this case, five giant things of toilet paper. <laughs> and she says she's like she's watching people leave with just like so much toilet paper, and yeah. I'm like, what? What is going on? No, I don't know because it's not like this is <laughs> the Hanta virus or anything where, where you, you don't need the toilet. Like, I, I am out of toilet paper. Like I got like six rolls left. Like, so I actually could use it, but yeah. I don't know what everybody else is doing with their like double the amounts of toilet paper here. Yeah, It's so crazy. Cause I'm like, I, I started doing the math in my head and I'm like, okay, how long do we normally go through a roll and like keeping track of it? You yeah. know, just be, like, I'm just curious, how long does it take us to go through a roll? And realizing like once you start doing that math you're just like why do people need so much it's literally just they're told that it's running out and that people are getting it so they're like oh well, my animal brain says i gotta get more i gotta hoard it like it's lizard it's, it's the lizard brain yeah. inside of us that's just like well they there's, have it so well there's also hold on why i just texted me there's also a little bit of a um competitive thing to it oh right like 
I mean, I'm guessing on this. I'm just speculating on like human nature, right? But there's like a little bit of Pokemon going on, right? <laughs> it's like, you know, I got to catch them all, and people yeah. are like going to the grocery store and being like, "What the rare card is the Charizard toilet paper card?" Yep. And I'm gonna go get that card, and they're going and they're like, "Just I'm gonna take all of this toilet paper, and I win," you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Then you get home, and you're in your mountain of toilet paper, and you think, "What am I doing with my life?" <laughs> I'm sure, I'm surprised like Instagram isn't people aren't taking pictures of like their thrones made out of toilet paper. I think point. because they'll get shamed into like deleting. It's been sh- people are getting shamed. Yeah, I. Well, yeah, because come on, I mean that's like exactly. how, you know, it, it's crazy because you're like people. That's obviously that's obviously a necessity, right? Right. So it's like if you're buying it to the point where you're gonna have like years worth or whatever. I don't know what you're. you're your deal is <laughs> if you have that much toilet paper that's just crazy i don't know but we should talk about comic books we don't have to talk about uh toilet paper, toilet paper yeah uh you uh, read anything yet today oh yeah um i bought my books but i haven't read any of them yet because i buy a lot of the, my stuff digitally um, oh yeah. yeah although uh i noticed that um a lot of comic book stores are kind of reacting we're in this weird place where like toilet paper is rare so okay comic book stores are kind of like going like what am i gonna do to stay alive because like I was literally in a comic book store, I think a little about, about almost a week ago, and I was mm-hmm. going through the back issues bins, you know, these unbagged, like 50 cent nickel like yeah, books. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, everybody is supposed to be protecting themselves from diseases, and I'm, I'm rifling through books that thousands of grubby hands have leafed through, like, over the past month. Yeah. I got to get out of here. <laughs> And, uh, but like, but you know, it's that lizard brain that's telling me like, I got to protect myself, but like comic book stores are kind of in this weird place. Cause it, I, I don't know. I could name two stores in my lifetime that I've been to that have been big enough for me to actually maintain a six foot quarantine. Oh yeah. I right? mean, so it's really uh, packed in. You got all these books. People are touching everything because you can't not touch. It's not like you're going to go to a comic book store and not touch something. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's what a lot of shops are doing now. I mean, I don't know all of them. I know that there's, like, it's weird, right? Because you have some shops that buy whatever is going on with their city or their state. They have to close. Right. Like, they have to. But what's weird is that those, those like, those trucks are still coming. Right. Like, it, you know, knock on wood, oh, as yeah. of today, trucks are still coming, right? So it's like, not only are this week's books on a truck, we're talking about April's books. Yeah. Like there's yeah. books that are, you know, like Nailbiter returns went to print two weeks ago. I know, I think. Mm. And all that stuff is on a truck, like coming. So, so like, better open. <laughs> well, you know, this is what I'm speculating this is pure speculation of what I think is going on. And if any shop ever listens to us, they can tell me differently, but it's yeah. like, you know, those books are going to get delivered at your shop. So I guess you're there to pick them up. And then you by yourself as a retailer by yourself are probably going to do your pull and do whatever mail order or whatever delivery or whatever curbside pickup you can. Yeah. I think I saw some shops that basically were saying that their shops are closed, but they're still going to do the mail order stuff. Like whatever, you know, there was one shop. I don't want to name their name because I don't know for sure if that's what he said, but he basically was like, no one can go in the store. Um, You can't do pickup, and they couldn't even do curbside pickup. Really? So they're basically like, we're going to hold it for you, and then we're going to mail it to you, mm-hmm. uh, or mail whatever we can. So I'm guessing that's how it's going to be for a while. Like Those books are <sighs> showing up at, the, at these shops for 
at least another month. Again, it's like I, I say this knock on wood. It's like as long as those trucks are, as long as the this is a lot more dire stuff. But it's like as long <laughs> as the printers keep printing and as long as the trucks keep coming, those books are going to keep showing up at shops, regardless of people not being able to go there. Right. And you know, I know there's a lot of talk going on about different things that are going to be done, and you, you see what what's going on with Image. Uh, where Image was saying, you know, like we're gonna make books returnable. Everything is supposed seed starting, I think Monday yeah. will be returnable for three weeks. I think. Okay. Um, I think they said three weeks. I'm not like 100 percent sure. I think it's till the end of April. But um, the, like you could tell, publishers, Diamond, and shops are trying to figure out some kind of plan to get books to people. Exactly. Um, you know, we were talking about this yesterday, Monday, where it was like me and a bunch of different creators, uh, like Leah Williams and Mitch. Scott did it yesterday. So did um, Lemire. Um, I'm forgetting who else. Like James and Rosenberg. Like everybody is just like oh, retweeting all the all the stores yeah, that are like open. Or... Yeah, like like let us know. Let us get this information out to people. Like how can we get this stuff to you? Yeah, you know, a shop here uh, in Portland called Books with Books with Pictures, I believe, and um, they are doing a delivery service. So is Third Eye. Third Eye is doing a delivery service where it's like they have a van and they will bring it to your house. That's so cool. Uh, I, you know, cool. I've been thinking about, uh, I remember like a while back, I don't remember where, I, what what context it was, but we were talking about like the comic book, like food truck, basically. Yes. Now's a good time. <laughs> yeah, that's something that people, yeah, now's a good time for that. I was thinking about that a bunch um, over the weekend where I was like, that's what I would be doing. I would literally just be like, here's my van. I'd be like a new hero boy. I basically, because yeah. I get the books on Tuesday, so I would just do the thing. I would basically step everything out, do the pulls. Yeah contact my customers that are the pool, pool customers. I guess the hard thing, right, is you have pool customers, you have mail order, and then you have the people that walk in. And I am not great at pre-ordering. Like, I do yeah. this stuff, but it's like, I'm not great at pre-ordering. Um, my comic book store, so I have, this is going to get into all the thing, but there's two comic book stores I shop at. Um, one that I used to go to when I lived on the east side of Portland, uh, called Cosmic Monkey. And um, they're a great store, and they know me, and I have a pool there, and I only pull a few things, but I go there maybe once a month, grab my stuff. Sometimes I'm a little bit later, but I get my stuff, and then you know that's it, right? But like yeah. when I go in there, I'll, I'll grab books off the rack. I always grab, you know, if there's like a new trade by Image, Black Mask, Vault, um, Boom, I will usually end up buying it if it's mm-hmm. a new trade, you know. So it's like. Um, like plot came out, right? You know, so it's like whatever book I'll usually get get those things, right? Yeah. However, that's my like once a month or once every two months sometimes shop because on the other side of town, right? Comic shop that's closest to me, they don't know I'm me. <laughs> so I go in with my daughter. She mostly picks out whatever she wants, whatever kid book or whatever she wants, and I will grab things off the rack. Again, it was a trade or a new issue. They sell out of a lot of stuff. And it's really interesting. It's like a lesson every week where I'll go in there and I'm like, all I want to do is buy an issue of Criminal, right? And yeah. I'll go in there and they're sold out of it and it's Saturday. Hmm. And I'm like, oh, man. And there have been times I go on like a Wednesday night. It was just me. I'll go right before they close and pick up some stuff. Yeah. It is that thing of, of, of seeing how close. And this is a, a this is a popular comic book store. Oh, well, this is why I started getting to this. They're a popular comic book store. They... Um, they sell a lot of stuff early, and uh, it's an educational thing of like how important pre-ordering is because they'll go in there, and I'm like, oh, man, they're selling out of stuff so fast. But this is the thing I've noticed going into that shop. They are the largest pull box of Portland. 
Oh. So what's interesting is I watch this happen on Wednesdays and Saturdays. I'll see people walk in, they'll say their box number, they get their books, and they walk out. Right. They don't even look at the new issue. <laughs> yeah, because it's already and in there. It's already in the bag. It's already in there. I mean, sometimes I'll see guys come out with like these stacks of books, and then they'll yeah. look and they'll kind of walk back. But for the most part, I see people, it's like a really quick transaction. And yeah. it's such an interesting thing because it reminds me almost of like, it's like a... Um, it's like a post office. They just walk in, they say the number, the person turns around, gives their books, they buy them, they walk out of the shop. Yeah. And so that has been really educational of like how important um, pre-order is, how important pulls are. And that's the thing about all the stuff that's going on right now is right. I think it's going to really make people recognize like you're going to have to, you're going to have to get a pull. You're going to have to get some kind of pre-order if you want to get your books. Or I guess you switch to digital, which is its own challenges oh definitely uh, oh the, the the pull thing actually i was thinking about that and how like that's pretty much the comic shop's bread and butter like that's where the bulk of the sales come in yeah so for them it's well, like pre-order. i mean this is a, this is like a kind of a secret we get in it but mail oh, no. humongous part yeah of, it's like huge part of of our direct market but anyway go ahead oh yeah no uh well i was gonna say just like with the pull list, as long as the comic shops, even if they close or even if they're like only open like for an hour a, a week or something, as mm-hmm. long as they have the pull lists there and you're just coming like they just come in, pick up their bot, like that very transactional kind of experience. But it's just like with gloves, no going in the store, you know, it's or limited. You, know, you can get into like the breezeway or whatever and then just get your books yeah. and go as long as they can keep that going. Comic shops, for the most part, should stay open. Or at the very yeah, least, like, not lose tough. their... It's like any business. There's a lot of restaurants that are having a hard time. Oh, I was yeah. reading an article about, here in Oregon, about a lot of restaurants are closing and yeah. uh, making, like, really tough decisions about what they want to do. And, you know, in some cases, the restaurants here... There's a major restaurant chain in Portland that laid off 3,000 people yesterday. God. And the reason they did that was they're basically... They, they said they weren't, like, shy about it. They're like, that way everyone can file for unemployment. Yes, and get unemployment right now and get that rolling while we basically figure out what we're going to do. And that way, when this is over, the company can basically reopen. Everything's running. It keeps the business open and then they can hire everybody back. Right. Um, and they're, they, they, you know, they, they very honest about this is what their plan was. But, you know, so sometimes businesses are running on a, oh, they're walking a tight, tight yeah. road. Yeah. Oh, no, it's. Well, and we're talking about, like, an industry that, like, I hear every freaking day is dying, and, the, and, and like, the comic book retailers who are all being squeezed overall, I mean, we're talking about, you know, books that aren't, you know, aren't breaking a thousand, a thousand units a, a month, and, and it's like, and now also no, we, no foot traffic. Like, oh, guess what? You're all going to be online retailers from now on, like, yeah. at least for the I mean, foreseeable future. It's interesting, like, I think about... You know, you, you, when you think about those, um, I guess it sounds really silly, but furniture stores, right you know, you Target and there's like some furniture store to the side, <laughs> you know, or like Pier 1, right. and, and you're just like, who's buying stuff? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Every time I go you into know, one, I'm like, like, why am I here? When did you go in and buy like a, when was the last time you went someplace and bought a giant couch? Yeah. And, and you're always like, how is places in business? Like now, obviously, Pier 1 closed a lot of stores and they filed for bankruptcy, but recently... <laughs> But it's that thing where you're like, man, what? You know, and if you're walking in there and there's nobody in there, it's just you. Yeah. 
you know, or you go into like a, um, my wife and I, we bought a bed. We bought like a, a nice bed. Oh, um, we, yeah. we bought this house. So we went to like a nice place. We bought a nice bed. It was a whole thing. It was expensive, but you know, it's like, this is the bed we're going to have for a long time. That's the thing. Like you, you, you don't skimp on the things you like sleep on, walk on, yes. drive in, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So when I walked in there, you know, there's nobody there. It's just us. You buy right. this bed. You're, there's a part of you that is like, those places are so dependent on a, few people spending a lot of money right and i think that's how it is sometimes with comic book stores like mm. obviously it's a lot of stuff like you were saying where it's like oh you know the pool people but when i worked at the store so the first store i worked at that was definitely pool but it was mostly the pool was very small it was one short box mm. and um and then the most of the people came in and they bought their books on wednesday and saturday and they bought back issues and they bought you know um back issues and they bought uh new issues and then obviously you you know you diversify as a retailer you you do things like at the time it was pokemon and then right. you know Yu -Oh and all those things i don't even know like board games now and just card games in general are huge yeah toys when i worked at the store in college that's where it was really interesting because again that pool was four short boxes mm. worth of books every wednesday it never felt like that big of a deal or that much of a priority at the time. Um, and we were next to a college. Every Wednesday morning, there was like a line outside the door. Not a huge line, but we had people that were there on Wednesdays to get their books. Yeah. And Wednesday would be really busy. And the way that shop was built was it was like, it was a really big store. This is a store like when you were saying, like, say six feet away from somebody, you could do that there. Oh, right. And they had a... Um, they had a row. Basically, what they would do is he would have all the back issues or all the, the basic, I say back issues, but like six months worth. Okay. He had the bins. They would have wall, like going all down one row and then turn to the corner and it was all like six months worth. But in the middle row was all the new issues the entire week in alphabetical order. So what was interesting was when you came in the store, instead of walking out to like one giant wall of books and being like, oh no, you would literally have to walk the store. Yeah. And out by the course, you'd be like, all right, cool, I want Ant-Man, I want Batman, I want Catwoman. You'd, like, do this thing. And it was, it was interesting because it made you walk around the store. That's that's clever. That's, like, an actual, like, business strategy. <laughs> it was awesome. And then what would happen is it would dump you on the other side, on the other side of the bins, and you could cut down, look at some trades. Yeah. Then you'd be at the registers. And so we had this, like, assembly line going where people would literally – and it would be, like, a row of people. Yeah. And they would just go like this every every Wednesday morning. We would do this, you know. That dude this, earns his paycheck, man. That 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 arrangement is so brilliant because you get people instead of you know, the your usual crowd of, uh, of foot traffic who like are casuals, right? Who grab like a yeah. they see the wall, they go, Okay, uh, Batman, uh, Justice League and Avengers. Okay, I'm good. And then they just go right to the register. With this, you have yeah. to go through it and you're seeing I mean, look, comic books are brilliantly designed, bright primary colors, they're designed yeah. to make you look and to grab your eye and your attention and then you think oh you know i actually heard this was pretty cool too uh, i guess i'll grab a couple of indies you know and then before you know it you're spending 300 dollars. well there's a thing that there's also like a dis there's it's weird right because there's an advantage to it and that you're right so let's say you're going and you're like okay so i'm i'm grabbing batman i'm grabbing catwoman and then you're like oh i'm gonna go all the way down to uh x and buy x-men but you're right there could be a million books in between that were like you know, oh, I hate Fairyland or Saga or whatever, you know, yeah. or like you discover some indie comic that like you never would have seen before because you're going down the line. Exactly. However, this also creates a situation where whenever you come in the store, you're only looking at books that came out that week. You're not looking up and being like, so if you missed a book, yeah, you would have to look up. And it was still kind of basically by 
on the stuff above, it wasn't alphabetical order. It was in a company, then alphabetical. Oh, okay. So, you know, you'd go up, and there was always this debate of we make it all alphabetical and, and all this stuff, but you would go up and down. But this is the thing I was telling you about this, is that what was fascinating about that comic book store, and this is in the late 90s, early 2000s, was that, yes, we would have that, where people would show up and they'd be like, here's $100 worth of books. And those people would spend that money, you know, every, uh, you know, every week. Yeah. But... This is also when shops, especially uh, that particular store, were selling a lot of toys. Mm. You know, had Lord of the Rings were putting out toys. Lord of the Rings is so popular, and and then you had things like uh, McFarlane was publishing like a million toys. You know, they had Movie Maniacs. They had like every six months there was like here's this line of Spawn toys that are like themed. You know, it was right. like. Here's the Egyptian line. Here's the medieval line. It was always like something, right? Yep, the ninja line. Yeah, absolutely. The ninja line. Yeah. So it's like, here's this thing, you know? And what the owners started realizing was that people would come in and yes, they would buy singles, but for the most part, because they were doing at, at that time, it's so weird, dude, you had things that were short packed, right? So you'd have like a case of toys and then only one of one toy. You'd have like three of this, but one of this one. Yeah. What he started doing was he was like, well, those are exclusive to the sets. Exactly. And you could walk in and you could buy a full case or a set of a, of a toy line. And those things were selling like crazy. And that was like 150 bucks a pop. Like someone would come in and be like, all right, I'm going to buy this entire set of these toys because I want that one. Really, I want like three or four of them. And it's better for me to get just get the set. Right. right? Or if you're like hardcore and you're like, I'm you know, getting all of them. But that's the other thing about comic shops. And this is the thing that I think is kind of tough right now i mean obviously there's a lot of like toy retailers out there um yeah. i order i order from big bad toys if mm. i'm gonna get stuff a lot of times uh or for everybody really like i have a ton of toys in my office right now um but like i'll order things from mezco and and like direct from mezco or direct from mondo um but when it comes to, like a marvel legends i'll usually get those or just like, anything that's like that that i can't get um from dc if i want to get something dc direct and i can just ask them for it yeah um I'll usually get from Big Bad Toys. Uh, or sometimes if I'm in the shop, I'll just be like, oh, that looks cool. I, I, I want that. Let me just buy that because it looks cool. But um, that's the thing that kind of worries me is that, like, retailers, there's only so – they're going to lose that, those two parts, is the person that comes in and discovers something new. Yeah. The, the I'm going to buy these toys. I'm going to get this because I'm just thinking about it. Or that other weird impulse, which happens to me sometimes, where I'll go into the store and I'm like, you know what? I'm not getting anything. <laughs> uh, because what will happen is, is that like I do get a lot of things. With DC, we get digital comps on DC. We get physical comps sometimes on all the books, but we mostly get all the trades and hardcovers and stuff. Like cool. That just shows up at our house. But um, when it comes to like the weekly single issues, we get, we get them digitally. Um, you know, and then if for Marvel or Image, I'll just get them on um, Comixology. Right. But so what'll happen is sometimes I'll go in late at night to the comic store on Saturday and I'll just be like, oh, I'm not getting anything. That feels kind of wrong. So I'm going to buy this random thing. Like yeah. I'm going to buy this trade I never thought of before or this older trade that I've always kind of wanted to check out. Or this new book that I'm like, I'll try this out. Like you go to the, you, you walk up to the counter and they're recommending this indie book, and you're like, you know what? I'll try that. I'll I'll, I'll buy that. Let's let's check it out. That's the stuff that kind of worries me is that we're gonna lose some of that. I mean, already there's there's part of it of like the comic shop experience of like going to a store and having these conversations. Some of that, 
some of that has moved online, sort of. Yeah, but it's not well because at the end of the day, you know, it's if it's online, sure, but the availability isn't there. You're not you're not able to say this is a great thing. It's over there. Go grab it, or you know, there's or you, or something comes up and it strikes your interest and you and it sticks in your craw. And then when you're done with the conversation, you go over and grab it. Like it's, it's the availability isn't there, and that's the thing about comic sales is like the immediacy. It needs to be immediately yeah. accessible because once you create a barrier right. to entry there's no sale like for co- when you're trying to convince somebody to buy comics read comics you you literally have to like put it in their hands and even then they'll just put it in the garbage like you it's really hard to convince yeah, okay. anybody not, if they're not already a little hooked on it or they'll take yeah. some time it's weird it's like a whole it's a thing but I mean, I'm, I'm I, I know a lot of this stuff sounds so uh dire I'm it still is, very yeah. I do feel like a lot of people are, are making an effort in the publishers and totally. I you know I think that's one thing about this experience is that and, and sometimes this makes me feel a little better about everything that's going on is that it's happening to everyone yeah. like this is something that is impacting everyone and everything across the board like no one is is going to be like not affected by this like everyone is going to be affected by this in some way or another and they may not even realize it like it's going to be years before we look back and go oh that's why this is happening now <laughs> yeah gonna, you know like we don't even know it because we're so in it um like this is definitely a moment in history definitely. and i think that but that being said like we're all experiencing the same time my hope would be there's a lot of empathy for each other of like, well, we're all going through this. So let's actually like slow down for a second and talk about what we can do to, to fix some of these things or these things going. And that's a big part of it is like keeping comic shops open, what we can do to help, how, you know, is, is like whatever we can do to just get more information out there. A lot of our shops know, like these are where the products are, Um, you know? Yeah. And it's interesting too, because like, think about this, um, comics are actually really an interesting spot uh music and and novels are probably only two that are closer this is an industry that is built in isolation like i'm in my office all day comic artists are sitting in their offices yep some of them go to studios but for the most part it's built in isolation right editors are the only ones that actively because you like i said there there are colorists at a studios there's artists at a studio there are writer studios you know like Ram V, Dan Waters, um, that whole crew, um, are all like like Alex and, and Ryan. They're all in a studio together. But it's like you know they're uh, they, for the most part we're all isolated. Whereas in movies and TV shows, that had to stop. Yeah, just had to stop. Music. You could probably people can still produce music. You probably have people that are like, "Well, I'm gonna do this at my home and put it on YouTube or whatever." Or I can continue writing music and producing and making music. People can do it in isolation. Like yeah. look at. You know, it's like when Joss Whedon wrote all the music for um, Doctor Horrible. Doctor Horrible, uh, even even once more with feeling like he did that on his own. He was supposed to be working on Firefly. Yeah, and then showed up one day and was like, "I have a CD of all <laughs> the music." Right, so it was like he had already done it and composed it and everything. And so it's like that plus novel writing. Obviously, like people are you know you can write all day long. It's the same thing. So we're an industry that actually we're an entertainment. That doesn't need to stop right now. We're entertainment going. That's the thing. Like we're actually similar, yeah. not not too dissimilar from us as well. Where it's like, uh, you know, you make content online. You're in your oh, studio, yeah. your house. You shoot your thing. You put it online. You're done. Like there's no barrier. Yeah. But with with comics, you know, everybody. I remember like in the '90s, like when we were like reading comics or buying them, and like, I mean, in the beginning, and it's like. The, the 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 competition for comics was was smaller because there were just fewer 
types of media. You know, I've already talked about like TV and movies and 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 you know magazines, I guess, and hobbies and stuff like that. But like as the video game industry ballooned and as like um, as as digital media became a big prevalent thing, like again, that also ate into like the whole comic book fandom because there's just so many hours in the day and there's just so much stuff you can put your eyes on. And now we're in this place where those medias, video games, movies, like there's no Disney movies in the next like three months. Like they're all like everything. Nothing's coming out. And so the comic books, I don't want to I don't want to say it like this. So I don't want to take it too, too deeply. But it's like comics have like a little bit of a state of execution in terms of like, hey, all the other eyes are are they're they're gone. Let's this is our time now because there's no distractions. What can we do to get this into their hands now? And uh, and I think it's digital. And I think maybe I mean like I I hate to imagine that we have to go back in time and be like no we're gonna get boots on the ground we're gonna have a van that's just literally driving the neighborhoods with comic books in them like a like the ice cream store or the ice cream van. But uh, I don't know what it is. But like I feel like we're in a great we're in, there's a great opportunity here that I feel like unfortunately everyone's gonna have a great idea for in six months. As opposed to right now, when it needs to be had, when it when it needs to be had. Well, I, I don't know. I think that people are like actively talking about this stuff of what we need to do. You're right. Like it's definitely going to keep changing and evolving, and it's going to be like how to really get this out there to people. Um, that's going to be a really interesting interesting time to see what people kind of start coming around with and what yeah. ideas and stuff. Here, hold on one second. I'm just going to laugh on my office. Oh, sure, so- yeah. Take your time. All right, there we go. It's a little better in here. Nice. Um, so. You know, it is interesting. Like, yeah, yeah, you're right. All that stuff is kind of gone. We're the ones that can keep producing new content. Exactly. And like web comics, web comics, that's a big thing. You know, people go to webtoons and like those don't have to stop. Like no. those things keep going. Um, I mean, it's so fascinating to look at like wrestling. You know, like wrestling. You could tell. I'm not. We talked about before. You're not really a wrestling fan. I right? am not. So, but I. But I'm. Everybody else I know is, and I know literally we were talking about this yeah. yesterday. Like the idea that there's no crowd. Oh, dude, what they should have done, this is what I would have done for that that one show with the no crowd. Mm-hmm. If you have all of these wrestlers in the back, just bring them all out and put <laughs> them in the audience. Yeah. I'm serious. Because then at least you're talking to that person. It's an interesting dynamic, and you could have them be the ones that are kind of reacting to things. Yeah. Like, let them all kind of be rowdy in the audience, and you could have like people picking fights with each other in the audience, whatever. Like, there's a way of doing it. Yeah. Now you can tell like it's gearing up, like WrestleMania getting canceled and then getting moved and getting changed around. All the house shows getting moved, and like Raw this week was a replay of um, Raw Rumble, except for the first 20 minutes. Hmm. And I think I can, I can, I'm curious if that's what they're going to keep doing. Like right. what is like, you know, SmackDown this week, is it going to be like 20 minutes of a show and then a repeat so they can, and then re- replay something, right? Is it going to be a bunch of compilations? You know, what is it going to be? There's a part of me that is like, just do it. Like, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but um, when Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy did this thing, I'm forgetting what it's called right now. Um, but they did this thing where they basically recorded themselves having um, a match. I think it was called the final delete or something. Okay. But they basically filmed themselves having a match at their house <laughs> uh, because they have, they have a, um, they have a really big property. They have okay. a really big property um, and they have a ring there that's outside. Mm. They essentially filmed themselves having this match 
um, outside, and they had all this stuff like pyrotechnics, like they were really launching fireworks <laughs> at each other. Like it looked like you know what, what they are. It was like two kids, two brothers, um, hanging out in their backyard, going crazy, right? Yeah. So that is sort of what they um, they did, and that got really popular. Like they aired it on on Impact. This is years ago. They aired it on Impact. And then they aired it um, on YouTube, right? Like you could watch it and stuff. Because at the time, Matt Hardy was really popular on with the videos he was making, right? And so um, there's part of me was like, just do that, just film like street fights in the back <laughs> in the alley or whatever, you yeah. know? It's, then you get these two people who have been isolated together. I mean, it's so that's a whole other thing, and that's part of why. Like, it was interesting when all the celebrities started getting sick and people were like, how did these celebrities get it? And you're like, because they travel all the time and they're around a ton of people and exactly. they meet people all the time. <laughs> like, when I work with the professional wrestlers, you, you see how many people they have to meet and shake hands with. Right. And, you know, um, you know, like when I go to a convention, I sit there and I meet people and we sign books and stuff. And that already is a thing. Yeah. But you can see that, like, celebrity is a whole other ball game. Totally. Uh, like, especially when you're at, like, some of their level, like, you're traveling for press, you're traveling for auditions, traveling to film. Yep. Traveling home, you're on planes constantly. Like, they're, you know, you're, and you're around a ton of people who are constantly touching you. Right. Doing your makeup. I used to work um, in L.A., and I would work on movies and TV shows, um, and just the amount of people that are touching people, like... Right makeup hair clothes you know between shoots they walk up and they have little polaroids and they make sure they're like does he do they look the same they looked yesterday they make sure mm-hmm. all right go back to film you know yeah um and it's like the amount of that going on it's like of course they got even just just the just the handler portion like just the like when oh, yeah. when you go to a con it's you maybe your wife like you know what I mean? Like it's and some friends, if that. Like with with the, when a celebrity goes to a con, it's like they got they got their manager, they got their like hangers on. Like like it's just it's a whole. Other oh, we still have that. We have we have uh, we have things. That they're, 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 we call them con managers, but we have people that. Oh, manage. Yeah. oh that's right. You guys do the whole thing with uh yeah. There's with the the matching we're banners with, and everything. Yeah, we're with comic sketch art, so we have handlers and all that stuff. My wife would never go to a convention again. She went to New York <laughs> Comic Con with me. Oh, that's the worst one to go to if you want if you have a problem with crowds. She doesn't have a problem with crowds. She's just like, it's that thing if you don't actively have something to do. Right. Within like an hour, you're like, this is cool, but I'm in New York. I'm going to go to the museums. And so she left and went to every museum, everything that she possibly could. She had a blast. We went to Broadway. We saw a play. She had. A, she loved She loved that trip to New York. But that con, no. She has no, she's like, oh, yeah, there was a con we went to while we were there. And I'm like, we were there for the con. It wasn't like we went to the con while we were there to visit New York. We were there. Right. Uh, yeah. So things like that. And also, you know, it's tough when you get around um, some of us. I'm not sure you've ever experienced this, but it's like when we're around each other, you know what we talk about? Like all of us. Like if you and I were in person yeah. and if me, when, when me and Scott are around each other or me and James, you know what we talk about? We talk about work. Like we talk about the stuff. We talk about the, all, everything that's going on. Oh, by the way, while we were talking, Scott actually messaged me and he told me to tell you hi. Um, <laughs> oh, hi. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Scott's funny. Scott and James are funny. Like a lot of times, um, they are sometimes the first person I talk to in the morning and the last person I talk to at night. <laughs> uh, especially James, because Scott has different hours than, yeah. than both of us. We all we all keep weird hours. Like none of us are on the same track. Right. Like Scott's up really early, uh, but really early in New York. Yeah. So it's even earlier. 
this was even earlier. So I'm up pretty early. Uh, this morning I slept in a little bit, but normally I'm up pretty early. So him and I will sometimes I'm talking at like six in the morning, my time, which is nine for him. Yeah. Whereas in James stays up really late. So even there are times where I'm like talking to James at like I don't even know like eleven o'clock at night, and right, I'm like, like oh, "What are you doing? Go to bed." <laughs> this happened. You know, this happened like two days ago. I I came in here and I messaged him um, on chat. It was like eleven thirty at night, and I was like, "Hey, blah blah blah," you know, sharing ideas, talking about stuff, whatever. Not even expecting him to respond. Just kind of like here's some just just filling the, the text the text box with like your information. Like, yeah, like, I do too. Some idea I have. Let's talk about it tomorrow. Yeah. and then he'll message me back, and I'm like, "What are you doing, dude?" Like, <laughs> He's like, well, I mean, "What? Are you, what are you up to?" <laughs> no, trust me, we never have that. They're, we're all so busy all the time. There's never a like, "Hey, what you doing?" Nothing. Yeah, me too. That's never what happens. Right. <laughs> never what's going on, dude? We're always. I mean, we're always doing something. It's like I write double shift Flash. He writes double shift Batman. Yeah. We all have creator own stuff we're doing. We're all doing. Uh, we're all doing too much slash a lot. Um, so there's always something. There's never a, a moment where one of us is like, I got nothing to do, man. I'm just chilling. It's like, no. <laughs> we're always around something. But yeah, it's, it's crazy all these different that, um, hours. That double shift must be killing you guys. I, I, I don't get it. I mean, I appreciate that you guys, like, that you're getting the double, like, ship orders. But, like, yeah, I mean, you know, there is a precedent for the monthly. <laughs> like, Oh, I mean, listen, there's, there's, you know, it's, it's so hard and, and, and part of it is, um, artists, you know, it's like, that's yeah, a big that's part a of thing. it. Like, yeah, it's hard it's on everybody. Tough. I mean, I, um, I have been on flash. So I got the job on flash in November. We've talked about this before, but like, I officially got the job in November, uh, right before Thanksgiving of 2015. So, and it was C2E2 2015 was the first time I talked to Scott about it. Cause Scott was like, Oh, you love flash. You should write flash. And I was right. like, eh, they're never going to let me do that. <laughs> and now here we are. It's crazy because like I was doing the math and it's like the June issues of flash, the ones that come out in June. Yeah. That plus rebirth plus all the annuals. That's already a hundred issues in four years right there. Yeah. Like right there, we did a hundred issues of flash counting those. By the time we get to August, it'll be, it'll be the double ship. But even then, because those annuals always came out on like a fifth week, right? It's like pretty much there have been a Flash comic every two weeks. Yeah, for Sometimes six years. <laughs> for oh well, for uh, four, for four, years. four years. That's right. They, that's four years. Uh, yeah, so it is a lot. It is a lot, and it, it's crazy. I was talking to um, Marie Javins, who's the the Death Metal editor, but she's also adds a lot of stuff. She read, she had the original metal and. And she started Justice League and all the No Justice, New Justice stuff with us. Yeah. Uh, she's in charge of all the giants and everything. But she, uh, her and I were talking about it, and she was just like, how? Like, <laughs> how have you done that? How do you just keep generating ideas for it? And it's like, I don't know. I, I just have all these ideas for that book. And I don't know. It's interesting. We, we can have this conversation again in a few months. But, right. Um, you know, with the with that book, it's like there's so much the Flash mythology. It's like it's kind of easy. Yeah. I mean, it's like, even if you did, let's say you were working on like look at Scott. So like Scott, when he was on Batman for 50 issues, yeah. Um, you know, he didn't do a story of every villain. No, no, not that's like, true. He invented not, them. Like it was just kind of like, yeah. but yeah, because he did the first year worth is pretty much Court of Owls. Then you go into Joker. Then you go into um, Zero Year. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Zero Year. You got uh, Zero Year. 
And then you got Azuria and it's in game, which is Joker again. Right. You go into um, Heavy. It's Mr. Bloom and, and other. It's Bloom, but it's, it's Gordon. It's Gordon. Right. Right. And then you come back around to Joker. It's like he didn't do like. Scarecrow. Yeah. Yeah, this is part of what uh, All Star Batman was was him being like, okay, cool, I'm doing a Two Face story, right? Mister um, Freeze, he did a couple, he did Mister Freeze, but you know, he's like, I'm gonna do a Poison Ivy thing, I'm gonna do this and this and this, and I'm gonna do a Rachel Ghoul story. You know, he he did that, but think about how many issues it took to do that. And it's the same thing with Flash, where it's like, even if I sat down and said, all right, each arc, I'm gonna pick one villain and right. focus on one villain for five or six issues, that will take you a while. And you want the books to breathe. Like, that's the thing with The Flash. Like, sometimes, um, I, if I had known I was going to be on it this long, I probably would have let a couple of those stories breathe a little bit more and slow down a little bit. Yeah. The book's always breakneck. Like, it's it's interesting. Somebody was talking about recently, and they were like, oh, the most recent issue was a really fast read, but I guess that makes sense for a Flash book. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it's true. Sometimes I wish I could, I, I slowed it down a little bit. Um, yeah. But if I, like, again, if I had known I'd be on this long, like, I would have timed things a little differently because part of me was like, Oh my God, like I have to like do everything. It was like, okay, this first arc is going to be six is going to be eight issues. And it's all about the speed force storm and Godspeed. Right. And it was like, okay, cool. Well, this next arc is only going to be three issues because I want to get to the rogues. And then the rogues, um, jumped into a media, like reverse flash stuff. And, and then I'm already 25 issues in. Right. And so you're just like, oh man, what's next? Okay, this, this, and this. It, what was interesting is some things got moved around. So it's like the Grodd stuff was supposed to happen sooner, and that kept getting pushed back. Even the story that we're gearing up to do, um, this is the, right now the first two issues of it are called Legion of Zoom. Yeah, those stories were supposed to happen like a long time ago, but ended up working out. Like everything ended up. It's really weird. It's like story wise, things started building. But some things were supposed to happen sooner, but they got pushed back just because of, of reasons. Some of it was artists, some of it was just scheduling and then planning. I found this picture. So back in uh, November of 2016, we did a summit in New York, and it was me, Scott, James, Steve, Tomasi, Tom, Jim Lee, and Bob Harris. And I forget who else was there. There's a few other people that were there. And we were all in this room, we had this whiteboard, and we were just, like, talking about metal and plans for post-metal and all this stuff. And and I found this picture, and uh, it's a picture of the wall, but you can see James pointing at the wall. Oh, Mark Doyle was there, too. You can see uh, James pointing at the wall, and Tom is there, and Tom is sitting in front of the wall, and he looks so scared. <laughs> uh, it's a really weird picture, because Tom looks terrified for some reason. Mm-hmm. I know that was the same day he pitched the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that'll, yeah. So he was know, probably, he, uh, maybe his mind was elsewhere. It's like, oh my his God. Mind was elsewhere. Well, Tom's really funny in the room because he never really pitches things in the room. He pitches like, he's done this multiple times. Like he'll be in the room and he'll be quiet. And the next morning I'll have coffee with him and he'll be like, here's what I'm thinking. And you're like, why don't you say that in the room? Dude? <laughs> um, you know, just, just, I don't, when I'm in the room, I don't care. I'll spur out whatever. I'll, sure. I'll throw out all kinds of crazy ideas. Cause I think that's part of the fun of the game. You know, yeah. you're just, you're sitting there and you're like, what's the crazy things we can do? And then you start whittling it down and you start just just, just having fun with it. I don't know. Because exactly. it's funny in writer's rooms, you'll have people that are like the assassin. Or like they wait. They wait. And also say like one thing. Because they're, 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 they're waiting to say the like aha thing. Yes. What often happens is they're saying nothing because they never get to it. <laughs> <laughs> the room, or the room moves so fast. It's yeah. embarrassing when somebody is like quiet the whole time and then they're like, I have an idea boom and they try to like drop a bomb in the room they try to be like this is what i'm thinking about i got yeah. this crazy idea okay here's what we're gonna do 
this. And they haven't said a word for like two hours. <laughs> yeah. And you look at them, you're like, yo, we did that last year. Moving on. And <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, I did that. I did that. Yeah. That happened. Let me tell you all about it. Yeah. And like, oh, oh, Grant Morrison did that. <laughs> right. Forward, you know, like. And then they're just spending the next 20 minutes like, okay, how can I make it different from what Grant did? Oh, no. Like, oh, I didn't say I anything in two up. and a half hours. Genius <laughs> move was already done by Grant Morrison. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like that, that happens sometimes too. But yeah, there's this picture. And on the picture on the wall, it's fascinating because it's interesting to look at the wall. And again, this is a wall from almost four years ago, but you look at the wall and you're like, oh, this happened, this happened, this happened, this didn't happen, or this happened, but was changed. It's right. so fascinating. It's like, and it was funny because um, Legion of Zoom as a title was on that wall. And I remember thinking about that and being like, oh, that's right. We were going to do kind of what I'm doing now back around the end of the first year of the book, but we just didn't have it yet. Right. We didn't have we hadn't earned it yet mm-hmm. um to this idea that like his reverse flash is basically gathering up like villains to make his own reverse flash family okay we hadn't earned it yet because a lot of those villains weren't introduced yet to do True. it yeah you know um because that was always the thing is that you don't want to cash in on somebody else's work this is this is a weird thing it's like i mean you do all the time i do it all the time like that's part of superhero books like you're constantly cashing in on somebody else's stuff you know it's right. it's um it's like Jeff going and looking at Alan Moore's like short Green Lantern story, and there's a prophecy <laughs> Blackest Night, and him being like, "Oh, I'm gonna use that," you know. Yeah. And, I, and I and I say that because I use that. I cash in on stuff that that um, that Jeff and Mark did all the time, right? You know, like it's in, like you back go back to the Flash annual, the first one we did that was the Prelude to Flash War. The whole annual is all about Wally and him, sort of. Um, trying to figure things out in this new world post Titans and, and having these memory problems. And, and at the end of the issue, um, it's revealed that Hunter Zalman has been like manipulating things and planning them, right? Like a zoom. Yeah. And that only, if you are a brand new reader who's never read flash before, and you're only reading my run, if you've only read from flash rebirth on and you got to that moment, you'd be like, who is this dude? Right. <laughs> um, but if you're a Flash fan or you're even like pretty much aware of the mythology of the Flash, you might know who Hunter Zalman is. You might know who Zoom is. And so that's definitely a factor. Whereas in, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like we do that all the time. And, but part of the fun of that is that I think now is you might get to the last page and be like, who is this dude? And you go on the internet and you can either look it up or you go on, you know, Twitter or any kind of resource. And you can be like, who is this person on the last page? And you can learn this whole thing, get this whole world introduce to you exactly and you might be like oh i'm gonna go back and read blitz and see that blitz is this amazing flash story um you know where, where that character was introduced yeah that's kind of one of the the fun things of the job but you are you're constantly cashing in on other people's work but you want to limit it you don't want to be constant so it's like let's say you get to issue 25 of my run of the flash and then all of a sudden there's a new turtle gorilla <laughs> Grodd, trickster or the original trickster um, I had already used Captain Cold by then, or I'd, I'd shown Captain Cold by then, but it's like you would have no context for why this is important. Yeah. Well, so and, and as a writer, I'm sure it's also like less satisfying to be finishing other people's sentences as opposed to being like, "This is my statement. Like, this is where I'm taking it, and if it fits in with whatever, like, yeah. with this thing, you know." Because obviously, as a fan, you're also like, "I do kind of want to pay off that thing over there," but like only if you feel like personally rewarded for doing it, not just being like. You know, oh, that's that's a thing that they left. I'll, uh, that's that's an opportunity to, to to extend that 
that that that through line over there. You know, you're not looking it, for yeah, those opportunities. It, it totally depends. Like you might look at stuff and be like, oh yeah, this this thing that this person left, and also some of the writers do it on purpose. Mm. Like you know, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, Jeff is great at it. Jeff likes to kick things down the field a little bit. Um, Grant Grant does it all the time. Like Grant will leave pieces out for other people to pick up. And he wants you to pick it up. Yeah, I I love those moments, and I think it's it's great to see when a writer picks up on that and takes that and, and runs with it. It's even more funny to see it when someone goes like, it's like that moment in the room where they're like, "Yo, I got this bombshell." Where they're like, "Yo, I've got this this status quo drop." And then no one yeah. wants it. And they're just kind of like, I guess I'll take it. And they just, they, and then the same writers goes back and goes like, I guess I'll continue that six, eight months, two well, years it, down the line. Some people, I mean, the writers are so fascinating to work in because you do have those moments where somebody does. I mean, I, I was joking about that before, but there are times people will drop things in the room that you're like, oh, that is a big, that's a big deal. Right. You know, it's, um, I mean, I look at the Marvel ones a lot and you hear the stories about that, about like, you know, you, you go back and, you know, Joss Whedon, comes into the i think it was joss whedon i think joss whedon so joss whedon came into one of their early summits because they were planning uh stuff right Mm -hmm. and i think he was still working on astonishing x-men at the time i'm gonna get my timeline wrong but he basically came in the room and it was one of the earlier summits and they were talking about civil war and he was the one that was like captain america would would give not give up he would never give up but he's the one that would stop the fight right and turn himself in um, that's how you end it. Like that's the, that is the thing that Captain America would do. He would look around, he would see how bad things were getting, and he would say, "Stop! I'm turning myself in." Yeah. And he was one that brought that up, and that changes stuff. That's what leads to a lot of things that come out of it. And totally. Occasionally, it does happen. You know, we were working on Justice League Suicide Squad, and we were really talking about the villains and all these different ideas of what we were gonna do. And yeah. I remember Jeff walked in, and part of the challenge of that book was we were trying to find villains that hadn't been used in New Fifty Two. Right. And we were throwing all these ideas around all these villains. We had this huge wall. I still have pictures of it. This huge wall of a list of villains and just talking about all the different villains and who we wanted to use, who we thought was cool and interesting. And, you know, the conversation kept coming back around to bringing Lobo back. And, and Jeff walked in the room and was like, Max Lord. <laughs> and we were like, well, he kind of been used, but not really. He'd only been used a little bit in Grayson and like a little bit here and there. There was like little bits of things with him, right. but he had not been used as a primary um, in a long, long time since he'd been brought back, basically. Since what's well, this rebirth? Because he was in Brightest Day, but he hadn't been like a primary villain. No. And he was like, Max Lord, this is what's going on. This is what's happening. This is what I think. And we were like, that's perfect. Yeah. And. Uh, I remember one of the editors in the room was like, that was a gift. Max Lord is a gift because we needed that kind of villain in the story and the fact that he hadn't been used in a major way. So occasionally things like that will come up where somebody will walk in. I know I've had my moments where I've definitely been in the room and been like, wait, I got it. Because I'm obsessed with um, last pages. Yeah. So whenever I'm talking to somebody about their book or their pitch or whatever, I always ask, what's the last page of issue one? What's the last page of the story? Like, what's that... that because the last page is your first cliffhanger, but it's your first uh, ad for the next issue. It's your first ad for the story. Exactly. So I'm like, what is it? And it's frustrating when someone's like, oh, I don't know. And you're like, oh, dude, you're not you're not there yet. Like, right. you're not there yet. And that's always the thing. I think I told you this before, but with Jeff, like, when he and I were talking about Rebirth uh, after I got the Flash job and he was writing the Rebirth special, uh, I kept asking him what the last page was and he wouldn't tell me. Uh, <laughs> 
I mean, I found out though. I figured it out. Yeah. I think that's that story. How I figured it out. No. Oh, okay. So one morning, um, I had turned in, I had turned in the flash rebirth one shot and, uh, cause I wrote it out of order. Um, because when I got the job on the book, it's interesting because I hadn't worked at DC in a few years. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to just bring me in and be like, here's the keys of the kingdom. Here's everything we're totally. doing. So, so when I got the job the week before Thanksgiving, um, no one told me Wally was coming back. I had asked about it a bunch of times because I was trying to get everybody back. I was trying to get Max and Bart and everybody. I was like, let's get everybody going, right? Yeah. And with Wally, I wasn't sure, but I'd asked about it a couple of times. And so nobody would tell me. So I was like, all right, cool. I'm writing my issue one. And then um, about two or three weeks after that, I got a, a, a call and they were like, okay, this is a big part of this. Wally is coming back. So you're going to need to, to factor him into the book, but not really. I wasn't even allowed to use him up until issue nine. Okay. Um, and then even then I was told I can only use him for the one. Part because he was going to be in Titans and there was right. like plans. They didn't want me to like have him all the time. And because we already planned out the first eight issues, there was there was reasons for it. Sure. Um, but they were like, this is the stuff that's going on. And so they were like, oh, you can't use Wally right out the gate. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'll figure it out. I, obviously, I'm happy that Wally's coming back. So uh, I was writing the book. And then I ended up writing um, the Rebirth issue. And so to write the Rebirth issue, Jeff had to send me Rebirth. He had to send me a script for Rebirth. Which was such a, like, at the time, because everyone was working on it, they were so protective of it. Oh, sure. You know, it was like, we're going to give this to you. This is what's going to happen. And um, when I got it, there were, like, little things that were redacted. Oh, okay. And so I was like, that's no big. There was, like, little stuff, though. It was just little stuff. And so they gave it to me, but it was missing. It was missing the epilogue. And but I knew it was missing the epilogue. Like I, I could tell you read it and you go, oh, this is this is this is this missing complete. Yeah, <laughs> it's missing the very very ending. Or it, but it had the dialogue for the very ending. So uh, he gave it to me and I was working on Flash um, Rebirth, the one shot, the the prelude story. Yeah, I turned that in, and but what was funny was I I had turned in the first um, half of it because I wasn't sure what I could do with the second half yet. Okay. Uh, which is interesting. If you ever go back and read it, you can kind of tell it. Like, yeah, there's stops a break, then... <laughs> you know, it's like a break. There's a break. It, it basically is broken up into two parts. Okay. And so, um, I turned in the first part, the first 10 pages and they really liked it. Jeff liked it. And he called me. So I, I just got back to Emerald city comic con the day before. So Jeff calls me at like six in the morning or something. It was early. I remember it was all dark in my house and I was in my pajamas had my dog on my lap. <laughs> You know, um, so Jeff calls me and we start talking about things. We start talking about what's going on and, and sort of the whole, uh, you know, rebirth stuff. And, and it was very encouraging. And, you know, it's always great to talk to Jeff because Jeff has a lot of really great ideas about DC stuff. And yeah. But I had read the rebirth special and I had told him how much I liked it. And, um, you know, I read it a couple times by then and, and we talked a little bit about what was going on. And then he um, he was like... I can't remember what he said, but I was like, "Hey, can I, can I guess what happens at the end?" <laughs> I was like, "Can I, can I guess?" And he was like, "Sure, sure, sure, go ahead, guess." And I was like, "Okay, um, I have three guesses." And he's like, "All right, tell me your three guesses." And I was like, "All right." I was like, "Okay, so my first guess is is I was like I have a, I have two obvious ones and one that's crazy." So I said, "The obvious one, the first one is um, it's uh, 
Brother I again. Like it's a whole <laughs> thing, Brother I, and it's about the Omax and all that stuff. To it, it was funny about the Max Lord stuff that came up later with Justice League vs Suicide Squad, but I was like, oh, it's tying back to Infinite Crisis. Right. And he's like, no, 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 no. And then I was like, all right, my second guess is it's the Legion of Superheroes from the future are messed up. They're all evil because of New Fifty Two has changed time so much that now this Legion in the future that was supposed to be this peaceful thing has now become this evil thing. Oh. And so it's an evil Legion of superheroes and they've come back and they're messing with things. And he's like, no, that's interesting, but no. <laughs> right. I was like, all right. And then I said, and it's all quiet on the phone. And I just go, all right. And this is my third guess. It's the crazy one. He goes like, all right, go ahead. And I go, it's Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> and he's quiet. And then he goes, yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's what it is. And he's like, who told you? And I'm like, no one told me, I guess because of the script. Right. He's like, leave something in there. I thought I read, I thought it was all taken out, and I was like, no, no, no. I mean, there are little things in there, are kind of clues, you know, to it throughout, and um, that just it made me think it's what it was. And he goes, and I was like, yeah, this is what I think it is. And I was like, I think it's going to be Manhattan on Mars, and he's like making something. And he was like, well, actually, it's it's Batman finds the button in the Batcave. And then we cut to Manhattan stuff. And I was like, oh, okay. That was the stuff that was missing was yeah. all the Manhattan part. But the button part, that was all cut out too. It was like Batman finds something, but he it wasn't what it, it basically did what it was. Uh, because Jeff was being really secretive about it, which rightfully totally. so. I would be the same way. I still am the same way. I'm like super uh, <laughs> paranoid about that stuff. I try to keep things secret as much as I can when yeah. it comes to uh, what's going to be happening. Um, so yeah, he... Uh, it was really interesting talking with him about it and him. And then he pitched me the whole thing. Like he pitched me what he was going to be doing and his thoughts on it. It was really exciting. It was really yeah. interesting. And, um, but it was, it was cool because then I was in on it and, yeah. <laughs> and then that week. So that week I was in the middle of moving and they were like, you have to write the, the second half of this script. Right. And Jeff was like, here's what I want you to do. He was really encouraging. He was like, here's what I want you to do. You know, I want you to show Barry and Wally meeting again, but from a different angle. Um, I originally had all this other stuff that I was going to do that ended up, I ended up not doing, but now it's actually going to be in the book uh, now, like later. Cool. And it was going to be, uh, and then he was like, well, we were having this whole conversation and I was like, wouldn't, you know, when are you going to show uh, Flash talking to Batman? He was like, that's actually in the script is that, Flash says, like, or Wally says to um, Batman, like, look at the letter and all this stuff. And he tells Barry, look at the letter and everything, right? They yeah. tell Batman about the letter. And he was like, oh, you should do that. And I'm like, that's great. I'd love to do that. And um, and then I I snuck the button into the script. So in, in, in <laughs> Flash Rebirth, there's a part where they show um, Batman and Flash are talking and the button is there. Yeah. And... and um, and uh, yeah, the button was was in the script, and I just put that in there. <laughs> and uh, I just like I, it was one of those things where you put it in, you're like, send. Let's see what happens. Right. And and then like 20 minutes later, I get this email from Jeff, and he's like, the button. Like he was so, <laughs> and he was like, can we do that? Like Jeff was like, hell yeah, we're doing that. He's like, tell tell everybody this is what we're doing. But then it was really funny because it was like it has to stay a secret. Yeah. So uh, at first, the script did not say the button. I had to take that out and I had to put in like a disc. Okay. And so there's actually a drawing of that page 
where it's just like a floating disc. <laughs> um, and then eventually they told the artist, they're like, we can't, this is stupid. Let's tell him what's going on. Yeah, you, told, gotta let him in. you know, it's the button and you have to do this. And he was like, great. And then he put the button in there and it was really funny. And yeah, so he got the button in there and, uh, um, yeah, yeah. And it worked out. And then obviously, you know, it came out and it was directly connected. And I think that helped the sales, helped the energy of, of, with flash, but it was an interesting journey with all that stuff too. It was a lot of fun. It was really a lot of fun working on that stuff with Jeff and, and the beginning of flash and, and putting that stuff together. But yeah, man, action from the fandom community was just, just like, like lightning. They were thrilled with, uh, with rebirth and, and what you guys were doing and pulling off. Like it was just, uh, was a good well, time. So talked a little bit about before we started on this call of just like uh just that we need stuff like that like the yeah. industry kinds of like lightning bolts every once in a while and needs to have those moments where everyone's talking about something you know like last summer it was house of x and yeah. uh you know i think right now some of the stuff we're gearing up to with uh with death Metal, have some of that stuff like we have a lot of really cool things coming up there and things i think we will talk about but it's it, it is that every once in a while you need that book you know it's like when image um launched saga in i think it was february it might have been january of mm. 2012 when they launched that book then and that got everyone talking and then image started releasing all these books and, yeah. and those started getting people talking and i think that you know you look at like immortal hulk and that's a book that um people really love and and i don't know if that that's like a major i think at the moment when it was outselling batman um it was a conversation but it wasn't as big as like say house of x or sock or you know like it, it wasn't something as as huge as that but it's a thing like even with new 52 and and i think um different things that people have done different initiatives it's like it's always good to kind of every once in a while just have something big kind of happen like that it gets everyone going oh wait what like yeah it's it's good every once in a while to do that, and I'm curious what those next things are going to be to, to do that because you can never predict them. No, yeah, you, you, know? <clears throat> yeah, you just need somebody who's like excited. I mean, like I think the recipe is just excited creators who are like, I got something that uh, that hasn't been done before, or that is looking at something that you've you've always known in a different perspective. You know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I love that yesterday's Enterprise pitch for Legion of Superheroes. Now that's such a cool idea. <laughs> Um, yeah, that was, uh, sorry. I, I looked over at my email for the first time and I'm like, oh, God, and then James, James is messaging me about stuff. <laughs> this is how it is every day here. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the Legion of Superheroes thing. Um, yeah, that was something I had thought about a lot at the time, but I mean, that's obviously not going to happen now. Do that, I don't no. think that, that, that ship has sailed. And I think we've already done so much of like, here's the evil version of this character that we're, we're thankfully yeah. moving past a lot of that. So, um, yeah, but that's how it is now with with the back to what we were saying before about work. It's like this is how our lives now is us sitting here um, constantly just like it's interesting because in a weird way for people I work with, there's like way more contact. Right. You know, because it's like there's some editors who, you know, you would email like once or twice and you talk to you like maybe once or twice during the day. You talk to maybe once a week. But now we're all texting and we're all chatting like way more. Yeah. Um and uh so in weird ways it's like right now we're all communicating with each other more than we normally would mm-hmm. uh, which is good we have so much work to do it, it, oh, you sure. know james and i were talking about this yesterday uh, a little bit just that there's so much work to be done right now especially like we were saying before it's like our business doesn't stop right now it, even if yeah no matter what like nothing's gonna stop me from sitting in my office and wanting to make comic books that's true 
you know, uh, it's funny. I see all these people online that are like, what am I going to do with all my time now that I'm not at work? I'm going <laughs> to uh, uh, play board games or catch up on TV or watch a ton of movies or read a bunch of books. And I'm like, dude, my life has not changed at all. It's no. like, <laughs> I'm in my office at 7 a.m. I work from 7 to, sometimes I'm a little late, but like 7 to about 5.30, 5 o'clock, depends on what's going on that day. Yeah. And then I uh, basically am handed children. <laughs> and I'm with those children. And some point, I like help my daughter get to bed, help stuff with my son, like do the whole thing, and then usually that wraps up, and I'm given a bottle or helping put him down at like because he's so he's so young, this schedule's all over the place. But yeah. it's like you know ten o'clock at night, and then I'm like, well, time for bed, <laughs> you know. So my day is not different. That is exactly the same day. Yeah. I do a little order in the day, but it's not like I've been like, oh, and I have so much stuff to write. There's so many comic books to write. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it isn't like I'm just gonna go sit on a sit on a couch and watch a bunch of movies. It's, right. It's yeah, I'm not insane. gonna catch up. <laughs> so much work. So much work. Yeah, there's part of me that's like, oh, I should clean my office and like open all these toys because I have so many toys in here. I have all the new Marvel Legends Fantastic Four toys. Oh, those are great. So, uh, they're rad, right? Uh, what else do I have in here right now? I have a Days of Future Past X Men that with the Sentinel over here. Nice. Uh, I have the Mister Freeze from Mondo. I have that giant Batman Lego Batmobile that came yeah. out. Me, I got that over here. Is that the 89 one or is that... Uh... Yeah, oh. <laughs> I, I got it early enough that I was able to get the little one too and I already built the little one. Nice. I have Ninja toys from the movie and the cartoon that was like San Diego exclusive. Those, those NECA figures are amazing. Yes. I got I have uh, the, uh, what's it called? That sh- that street that they made for the from, uh, yes. from Ninja Turtles? Yeah, yeah. I don't have that, but I have a... I got the Aquaman from, from Mezco. I haven't opened yet. Those Mezco figures are tight. I got the Paul Jordan Green Lantern exclusive one. Haven't opened that yet. Ooh. This is I've actually opened it to look at it, but I haven't like I haven't like put it together. Yeah, it's taking so much time because I'm usually if I'm in here I'm working, and so it's hard to be like I'm gonna look at toys. Oh yeah. Oh no. My I'm, the, the Wonder Woman one. I, I finally opened that one up the other day. I have a Doctor Strange over here from those Mezco. Uh, yeah, I want true. that figure so bad. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah, he's a good one. I need them to make me. Because um, I have the Aquaman one. Oh, I said that. I have the Aquaman one. I have the Superman, the Dark Side. I have a couple Batman ones. That Dark Side one's that. great too. The Dark Side one is awesome. I need them to make me a Martian Manhunter. Yes. Um, that would be cool. Yeah, somebody, I don't want like Martian Manhunter. Somebody sent me this incredible Martian Manhunter figure. I don't know where it's from, but it's of Jean eating a Chaco. <laughs> like it's a literal figure of him like, with a Chaco in his hand. He's got this like. He's got this like inquisitive look on his face, like I'm really enjoying this, huh? and I'm like, "That's crazy!" I have to, Who made I have to this? That's really funny. That's, That's rad. Really cool. Yeah, I have a ton of stuff in here I haven't opened yet, and so I have yeah. a Captain America shield right here that I have opened. It's like the full, the full one, the Marvel Legends. The Marvel Legends. Now, is it the movie one or the comic book one? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> Which one is this? That one's the comic book one, man. Yeah. All right. Good. That's, That's what cool. I wanted after the comic book. But there... see, it's so dusty. Poor Captain America. Yeah. I, the GameStop in one of our areas is closing, and they had two of them. They had the movie and the comic book oh. one, and there was like a $50 difference between them. I'm like, are you kidding me? Which one's more expensive, the movie one? I think the comic book one was more expensive. Ah, uh, that makes sense to me. Yeah. I'd rather have the, I'd rather have the, the comic book one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd rather have the comic book one. Yeah. Uh, but it's so dusty. This used to be in a different part of my office, but I have too much stuff in here. Dude. I have the... Um, I haven't built it yet, but I got those, what are they called? Arcade One Plus, whatever. Uh, yes. I got the Marvel Capcom one. Oh, that's awesome. 
that's supposed to go in here. It's supposed to go like right there. I just haven't um, had time to build it. That's I, something I'll probably end up doing maybe I, now. I saw it at New York Comic Con. They had like a big booth and everything like that. And they had like the Ninja Turtles arcade game. That was the one I was like, I have to get this. Um, I haven't yet because, you know, I don't have time to play video games. <laughs> and it's, it's $400. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah, that's the thing. I actually thought about getting that one too. Um, but then it just became a matter again of like room. Like yeah. you just don't. We just don't have the room. Sorry, I can hear my wife talking about my neighbors outside, and they're like talking <laughs> across the street. I think what's happening is my wife is basically being like, "Remember to isolate. Don't come over here." <laughs> I'll talk to her about it. It's funny, yeah. I can see out the window, and I'm like, "What's going on out there?" What are you doing? <laughs> it's because the kids, the kids all want to play with each other. Oh. They don't understand. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, "No, it's okay. Say hi, but now isn't the isn't the time the to play." Right time. Um, yeah, it's rough. That's maybe one of the hardest things. I was talking to another friend about this yesterday about how like we as adults are used to this. We can talk to each other this way. We communicate this way. But like little kids, if you're a little kid who who is dependent upon preschool and dependent upon um, preschool and then like play dates, yeah. like they can't. And it's gonna be a weird, weird world for them for a while. And but you, you don't want them to get like addicted to devices, right? You could try to like give them socialization and and, and get them out there, and it's like. Now it's like, oh, it would be easy to just say, well, just play video games until you fall asleep. <laughs> but Yeah, we've been so with her about getting to be, because she wasn't really social for a while, so now she is social. Like, oh. she wants to, so we're like, oh, we're taking steps back on this. It's, it's going to be an interesting, uh, I say interesting for a lot of re- ways, but yeah. Same time, but yeah, dude, I have a ton of stuff in here I haven't opened yet, and I need to like. Do you have those? Uh, I got the. My wife is amazing. She got me the Batman versus Predator figures from San Diego Comic Con. Oh yeah, yeah. And they're just sitting in my office. I'm just looking at them. I'm like, I want to open them, but then I'm like, what am I gonna do? Like, am I really gonna have it? Like, am I gonna play with them? Like, <laughs> but I, I but I want them out because they. You want them out. You want them to do something with them. And well, that's the thing about this office. This office is smaller, and and I think once we get the new office built, um that office will have a lot more space and I'll have a lot more like shelving for those kinds of things. And I'll have a little bit more of a, a, a setup to kind of show that stuff. It's crazy. My office is going to end up looking like a comic book store. That's like, what my office looks like. And I'm like, so proud of it. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I got a comic book store where you don't have to buy anything. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just walk in. I mean, that's the thing. I get so much stuff here. I mean, it is dude. It's wild. Like I know some pros that, um, you know, once you get on the DC comp list, and you're, you're doing well with them, you know, and you're in a good spot, they will start sending you comps. Yeah. And, you know, you get, like, boxes of books. And for me, I'm like, this is awesome. I love it. And if I don't like something or if I'm like, you know, I already have this or, you know, because sometimes you get there's so many reprints of things, too, in there. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, oh, it's interesting because sometimes you'll get, you'll get an edition of something that's like a new edition of something that was from... 20 years ago and you weigh out like which one you want to keep because you're like eh, this one looks kind of cooler but i like this it's got the cover. old coloring in it yeah <laughs> yeah this whole thing is you kind of weigh it out but i have friends that come over and i'm like do you want this check it out or my neighbors i'll go give them stuff to check out like we definitely go and do like the whole um you know like we have kids in the neighborhood so i'll be like oh do you want to check out this green lantern thing and, and stuff i'll give it to them whatever they're into yeah um but it, it piles up. And I know some creators that are just like, I have boxes and boxes and boxes of trades and hardcovers in my house, and I don't know what to do with them. And they'll tell DC, they'll be like, stop sending them. Yeah. They'll be like, I just can't. And yeah. time, open that up, and there's some times on the rust in there. You might open that box up and be like, oh, dude, this is dope. And 
you know, because DC publishes so much stuff that it's, yeah. even if it's like art books, you know, like you'll get like, uh, you know, you, you might open a box up and be like, you know, oh, there's like the Jim Lee art book, and you're like, this is awesome. I'm, this is going on the shelf right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's funny. That's so my office is is piled, and then you get oh, and then your own books. That's a whole. Oh, of course, yeah. You yeah. you don't want to put those in a box. You want to see them. Like that's my freaking name. I'm making this shit. Yeah. Yeah. Stacks of those over here, and. uh it's a, it's a lot, dude. Like when Flash Seven Fifty came out, they sent me a box, and I have like five or ten. I can't remember. It's a dude. It was a big box. Yeah. It was every cover they made, there were issues for it. Like, or every every cover was made, I got like five or six copies of every issue that was done, and there's like a dozen <laughs> covers. So this huge box shows up. That's not as bad as when they did um, when Justice League versus Suicide Squad came out. There's like fifty covers. Yeah. And they sent me like ten of each, and so it was like two or three giant boxes. And um, for the first issue, and I remember uh, Jay Fawak, he lives in Canada, and so he actually got it earlier than I did. And he was like messaging about it. And he's like, dude, these, a ton of boxes showed up in my house. <laughs> what am I going to do with these? Yeah. You know? No, sign them, give them to your store. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's... you give to people. Yeah, you give them, you go to the shops, you do signing sometimes, and it's like, here's free comics. Like, take them, you know? Right. It's like, oh, I have fun, you know? Um, I don't really sell comps. Usually, I give my comps away. Right. Like, I mean, well, know, yeah. yeah, yeah. It would be it'd be <laughs> tacky, I think, if it's like Josh Williamson on eBay. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, oh, dude, that'd be weird. If it's like a what do you call it? If it's a um, if it's a uh, what do you call it? If it's like a foil cover or something like that, maybe we right. do those kinds of things. Those be special, like. But even then, it just it depends on a lot of stuff. When it comes to trades, it's a whole other thing. When you're selling them at like a convention and stuff, but yeah. you know, when it's image books, it's funny. When it's an image book, those aren't those. They call them comps, but you paid for those. Right. <laughs> like you, you know, it's it's it comes out of the money that because you know the way image works, it's yeah. like that's out of the money that you're going to make anyway. So you're going to want to sell them, right? Um, unless you know, obviously, like with Nailbiter, I've given away so many Nailbiter volume ones to friends and and stuff like that. Sure. But yeah, it's pretty it's pretty crazy. All my neighbors are now doing yoga in their front yards. <laughs> I'm just, I'm so serious right now. My wife's doing, my wife's a yoga instructor, so she's actually like out there, but she's in our yard. And then across the street is another neighbor in their yard, and they're doing the yoga moves that she's doing. <laughs> now, are they, are, is she aware that they're doing that, or are they just kind of like, yes, oh, those not, are, this is, okay. no, I think this is a coordinated thing. Okay. <laughs> I, think, I think that my wife is teaching my neighborhood. Is doing is yoga instructing for my neighborhood, and all of the people are in their own front yard, so they're like super far away from each other. Right. This is fascinating. That's amazing. This that's, is our world, man. Yeah, that's gram. So that's that's gram worthy, man. You gotta. <laughs> I know. I I actually don't have Instagram. <laughs> I'm like the last person. I don't understand Instagram, so I feel like I'm like the old person when it comes to it because I'm just like I don't get it completely. Like, yeah. why is it any different than Twitter? It's uh, yeah, uh, no. Well, it's just the picture part, you know? Cause... It's the picture part. People love it. I mean, people who have my, – my wife has hers, and she loves it. And, yeah. and that's, she doesn't have Twitter. She has Instagram. So oh, a lot of it's people really, are like that, yeah. It, yeah, it's really interesting. And, and I know certain people prefer it. Um, but, yeah, this is fascinating. My wife's like <laughs> yoga and struggling for the neighborhood. It's so interesting. Yeah. Anyway, I should let you go. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I should stop here. I have a – it's funny. I have, a, I have so many phone calls today. Like, I have a call with – um, I have a call with editors at DC. They're all editor calls. So I got calls with editors at DC. I got to talk to Scott about a bunch of stuff and, and James. And then I have a call with my Batman Superman editor and 
we're waiting to hear back on some things. It's just, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there's so many phone calls right now. It's like, I have to actually work on these books. That'll happen sometime. Um, but, you know, yes, yeah, it's, it's, every day is so busy now. It's crazy. I think it would cut down a little bit, but I think everyone is just so used to like, it's just changing the systems. It's really oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is if we, just to wrap it up, like if we uh, do see an influx, like if this like isolation slash like kind of hiatus on every other media does help to infuse some lifeblood into the comic industry, uh, you're going to be a little more busy than you were before. Like you're, they're going to be used to this. Yeah. You're like, actually, people are working harder and more often than before. Yeah. You know what? This is a great way to go. Do it. Don't come in the office. We're just going to do it like this yeah. from now on. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious to see how like that in our world in general, not just comics, but our world in general, if people working from rem- remotely, if that's going to start becoming more of the norm, even past this, because if you re- re- start realizing how much cheaper it is yeah, as a company, that's if it is more productive, yeah, it'll be interesting. And it'll, yeah, I'm curious to see like what life's going to be like after this. I'm still yeah. hopeful. I'm still very like positive about things. Totally. Uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting. But anyway, yeah, I should let you go. I should get to work. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, Josh, thanks so much for being here, man. Yeah, no problem. It was good, and I hope uh, it's good times. I hope people listening to this are having a uh, a good time. Yeah, exactly. Wash your hands, folks, and uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks a lot for watching. Yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs>